it's sort of like this weird bell curve yeah where where your favorite job on the left end of the bell curve your favorite job that doesn't feel like a job doesn't pay shit yeah and then you get up to the bell curve and it's sort of like, uh, there's sort of like maybe the job that you're working, but you're going to get paid something, but they, you know, may, and then you go to the other side of the bell curve, the hardest jobs on the fucking planet, like day laborers and fucking strawberry pickers. It's the worst job ever. And you don't get paid shit. So yeah. it's like this weird bear bell curve. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> Happy Labor Day! If I mean I don't know how happy the Labor Day is, but it is Labor Day. It's a day celebrating labor. I with remember multiple strikes and shit. I remember very clearly hearing Jimmy Buffett say every time I was at one of his shows, which was somewhere around two dozen, at some point in the show, he would yell out, I love my job. Because Jimmy Buffett had the greatest job in the world. Post-1979, he wrote mediocre albums. <laughs> yeah. But toured the world playing parties, playing huge parties to throngs of fans that loved him, that adopted a lifestyle that was born out of a, a party lifestyle that was born out of one of the most depressing songs maybe ever written. Margaritaville, like if you break this song down, this song is devastating. He's dealing with alcoholism, heartbreak. He's hurt himself. Uh, he's he just got a tattoo of some Mexican cutie. He like he's at rock bottom, and his only saving grace is that there's booze in the blender, and soon it will render. Like that's you know like that's. He's just going to keep getting drunk. He was he was kind of like like the party version of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you could go party version. Yeah, sure, because he created this. Whole you know, movement. I mean, he, yeah, he created a whole movement. Yeah. People adopted the lifestyle. They there are restaurants which are kind of like churches. You know, when you think about what a church actually is, um, and. And then, you know, and then, uh, you know, and he was just revered and, and, and his message was not one of, it was hope in the face of despair, which is what yeah. Jesus talked about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was like, a, he was like a part, he was party Jesus. He's he party Jesus. And, and he's dead now. <laughs> so there's a job. So, for me, so, so is Jesus. So is Jesus. So, you know, there you go. I, um, he's been dead for a long time. <laughs> And he, but his residuals are way better. I'm sorry. The Bible outsells. No, Jesus, Jesus, the Bible sells way more copies than Margaritaville did. Yeah. But I'd rather have like Jesus billionaire or excuse me, Buffett billionaire money and, and Buffett lifestyle than Jesus lifestyle. Like, look, I was just in Israel. I just walked the streets that, that Jesus walked. I would yeah, be yeah. hanging out in a boat in Key West 
or a, a falling apart bar in some gulf off some gulf shore than hanging out in you know on the sea of galilee like g- give me the give me the gulf of mexico over the sea of galilee any day i mean you know, i can say that i've been to both so jimmy 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 made margaritas for people jesus turned uh water into wine yeah no I, I, the similarities are there i'm just saying if i had to choose have you heard the louis ck bit recently uh about about the the story of the water and the wine it's one no. of the funniest things i've ever heard he basically is breaking and i had I caught this on uh instagram but he's breaking down the bible to say that the bible's i mean you know I, he's just like the first three quarters of the bible is jews just going and then we walked through the desert and there was no food and he's <laughs> no that's funny but he talks about and i went back and i looked at it uh, the story, and it's pretty much the story. The way his interpretation is very different, but his interpretation is that he goes to a wedding with his mom. Yes, and there's no fucking wine, and his mom's like, "Make make some wine." There's no wine. This was wino mom <laughs> screaming at him that there's no wine. She has to have wine to have a wedding, and it's just a very funny bit. And I I, I really it really made me look at the life of Jesus in a different way. It's, he was basically. A son trying to please his mother. All right. All right. Yeah. I'll make it into wine. You fucking alcoholic. (laughs) The amount, you know, what's funny is the amount of thought attention that has gone into how that wine, like how that water was turned into wine, what the vessel was in Israel. Like they're like, this is what a vessel, this is, this could be a vessel that that had that held the water that Jesus turned to wine and everyone's like mm-hmm. ooh well it's probably not this vessel but a vessel like this this is from Jesus's time there's always these bait and switches but it's like oh yeah there's bait and switches yeah well it's sort of like David Copperfield he made the elephant yeah. disappear like this it's like yeah so here's a magic trick let's try to break it yeah. down where's the fun in breaking down a magic trick that's the thing is like the magic of buffett was very simple like you didn't have to break it down. It's very simple. It's booze, buddies, and and bars. Like it just right. Like the the three Bs. You know, beer, buddies, and bars, boats. I, four, I think four, four, I think whatever. booze. Well, I was gonna say I think boots. I think boats is probably a better third B. Well, that was his because bars, bars, and bar. Well, bars and booze are basically you know they're yeah tandem. They're the same thing. So but that was his box set. Was uh, bars, boats. Beaches and ballads. Okay, was, there you go. Buffett's, yeah. uh, bo- was bu- Jimmy Buffett's box set. Bars, it's all these bees. Um, yeah, man. I and I got the news. My brother texted me yesterday, which was Saturday, the time of this recording. Um, in the car, I was pulling into the Hammond Marina because I was going to go sailing. And he yeah. just said, I'm sorry about Buffett. To which my immediate reply was... Fuck, Jimmy Buffett, like, of course, you know. Yeah, you do. He wouldn't send that about Warren Buffett, because, well, you know. No, he might he might have wanted to say, yeah, like, that's the thing. Is, I'm sorry about Buffett. Might have been his death. It might have been that he came out for Trump. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about Buffett. <laughs> ben. You know, I mean, you know. he's dead versus coming out for Trump because that was that's what I'm saying. There, there are worse, there yeah, are worse, worse things face. Yeah. than death. <laughs> it's uh, but it, it hit me surprisingly hard and I felt that it was fitting that I was going to spend the day on a boat with my dad, um, the son, you know, son of a son of a sailor, 
that whole yeah place. yeah um whenever i hear margaret deville i think about um nothing to show here but this brand new tattoo i think about my nothing to show but my dumb tattoos you know like it's just it, yeah he was such he was part of your childhood part of your life. growing up so yeah your coming of age story your coming of age story has two consistencies those two consistencies in your and david himmel's coming of age story are jimmy buffett songs and Coglin Coglin's law yeah <laughs> you know those that's you know well i was thinking about when you were saying that you were really like you were really kind of uh gobsmacked yeah by his death and i thought i don't i'm not obviously i'm not but i went how would i you know what what and i i thought oh the day stallone dies the yeah. day stallone croaks i'm gonna feel i'm gonna feel some kind of a way you know i mean it's it's gonna you know because yeah that's a totem that's that's one of those icon iconic actors the characters his his story of how he became you know like oh, all that shit killing his dog yeah. and all that shit yeah exactly all that yeah. it really really resonates with me and has most of my to this point yeah. to the point that i still haven't seen creed three and won't mm. and the reason i won't see creed three is because still was cut out of the movie oh he was cut what well, he they didn't die off. they did not kill him off they cut him out of the oh. movie I did done this. Okay. Chardoff took all his money and said, fuck you. You don't even get it. You not only do you not get to be in the movie, you, you don't even get to have any profits from the character you built through an entire universe you built. That's bullshit. And so I went, well, then fuck off. I'm not going to watch that fucking movie. Not that it hurts them. That's my Chick-fil-A boycott. Leave me alone. Yeah. Well, and what's funny too, is like not a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I was having a conversation at work with somebody about... Jimmy Buffett came up in conversation. I don't know how, but he came up. And I mentioned, I've seen the guy around two dozen times. In not because like I'm a super fan, because I wouldn't call myself a parrot head because... Look, no, you're not a parrot head. Part of going to those shows is laughing at the absurdity of middle-aged white people. You know, or or college bro white. Like, and that that, guilt, I, yeah, that, that lifestyle. The lifestyle. That's how I feel about going to church. I just yeah. laugh to Christians. It's funny. But like, but anyway, I was like, look, you know, I, when I worked in radio in Vegas, like Buffett would come to town twice a year and there would always be a shitload of tickets. And I would go because it's a party and I fucking love the music. And yeah, so I saw Jimmy Buffett a lot. Um, I saw some smaller concerts that were like media only when he opened up the Margaritaville in Vegas. So anyway, I've seen this guy a lot. So my point was, uh, you know, I've seen him around two dozen times. I will probably never go to a Buffett show again, unless it's free or unless it's like a bachelor party or, you know, like some special occasion. Um, because I've seen him. The concert is the same every single time. I mean, they might switch up the order of the songs a teeny bit, maybe. But all the all the one liners, all the solos, the way the audiences react to the solos, like it's note for note the same concert. So like Ben there It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Exactly. Yeah. And and I haven't bought a new Jimmy Buffett record since I think Barometer Soup in 96. Like I'm you know so Buffett will always be there for me in the way that he's always been there for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's still there's a sadness that exists that he's not that that guy the party's not. over and you know who's not the you party's know, over man the other three like the holy trinity of of men whose jobs i want whose lives i want they're all gone buffett uh bourdain yeah and thompson 
And Thompson. I knew it was going to be Thompson. Yeah. And, and they're all like, they're all equal fans of each other or they were, I guess, you know, so I bet they're having a fucking hell of a party, you know, down in hell or up in it, wherever the fuck they are. Well, you know, and there's a, there's, cause you know, it's Labor Day and I know we talked about how we're going to talk about some of our best and worst jobs we've ever had. One yeah. of the things that I read, one of the things I realized, and when you look at that Holy Trinity, um, these guys did what they wanted to do. Yeah without any regard to making money doing it right and and happened to kind of hit that sort of sweet spot where people were willing to pay them they had careers based on shit they wanted to do that they enjoyed that they loved doing and they didn't give a shit if they were making money and then they did make money yeah and i, I and in Buffett looking, made a billion dollars yeah you know and 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 there's something i think that is uh is instructive about that because when i was looking at uh so like you know that that whole best and worst job kind of thing yeah um the worst jobs i've ever had are the ones that i've done strictly for money mm-hmm. where it's like i don't care what i'm doing i have to i have to pay rent you know and so this is the job i'm going to take because this is the job i can get and the best jobs either paid zero money. I mean, like no money at all. In fact, one of them cost me fucking money. And, uh, you know, and I'm not sure if you call it a job, but, but well, no, that is like, if I look at like the best jobs I've ever had, they've either paid very little money or no money at all. I did not do these jobs because I needed to pay rent. I did these jobs because this is a thing I want. I love to do. I think there's something very uh, that your holy trinity or three men that just kind of fucking did what they wanted to do on their own terms and happened to make money. And that's a pretty rare thing. I mean, think about it. Is that's why that's why it's a holy trinity. That's why it's like, oh, yeah, that's the job I want. Because that's the job everybody fucking wants is to do the yeah, thing. Original, like, ooh, David is so interesting. What are these these yeah, yeah. characters? That, yeah, no, yeah, it's, everybody wants the job because everybody wants to do the thing that it's like, all right, I'm an individual and I have this individual thing I want to do. And actually, I won't say everybody does. I won't say everybody does because I know there are plenty of people who are completely satisfying working as actuaries and fucking, yeah. you know you know certified public accountants and working for insurance companies that 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 they you know that they they they've separated in their way here's my job and here's my life now those yeah. people that at least that I know that aren't desperately lonely and inches from putting a gun in their mouth have family have families that that other life is so it's like I'm going to spend 8 to 10 hours a day doing what I interpret as a mind numbing Brazil like fucking grind. Mm-hmm. And then they go home and they have their wife and their kids and their dog and their house that they bought that they end up paying rent to the fucking property managers and the, and the taxes and the government anyway. So it's still fucking rent, uh, you know, it, talk about that later, but okay. It's still fucking rent. And then they wait, they wait. They wait until uh, they're too fucking old to do anything fun and society has basically discarded them. And then they say, now I'm going to take the money that I saved and try to have some fucking fun with it. Oh, what? I'm too old to actually Mm -hmm. physically do as much things. Oh, okay. What? Women don't find me as attractive because I'm an old fucking man. Oh, that sucks. What? Um, I don't even like the music. My music is all my, you know, so. There there is this this whole thing. So I get it. There are people that that's their thing. Never been my thing. 
Um, it's it's and, Labor Day. So what is yeah. Jimmy Buffett had the greatest job, arguably, right? Okay. What was your yeah. – yeah. Jimmy Buffett loved his job. What was a job you loved? There were what two your, jobs. And I, okay. Two like, jobs. Is there, are they tied for first? Or are they like – Yes, they are. They are. Okay. I would say, yes, they are tied. That's why I can't decide on just one. Um, but my two best jobs I've ever had. And, you know, you've seen my resume. I have had a lot of jobs. That's, had a lot I, of that's my different jobs, too. Just like all over the place. It's yeah. just like it's it's just sort of like it's I don't, I don't, it's like the ratatouille of careers. You know, here's it's here's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's garbage. Yeah, yeah, it's legs. Yeah. That's exactly what my Katie yeah. calls it. With like one of my favorite, Katie's such a good cook, and one of my favorite meals that she makes is she calls it just like a freezer cleanout. Yeah, like where she just goes in, like okay, here's frozen vegetables, here's this, and here, and she just like I don't know, let's fucking make it, and yeah, it's always so good and so that's and my never, and then we never have it again because it's never yeah, that's my career path. Thing. That is. Yeah. So my favorite freezer clean out dinner is your career. The freezer clean out dinner of careers. Um, But my two favorite jobs, the the jobs that I would say, these are the most satisfied. I had the most fun uh, was uh, executive director and director of WNEP theater for 15 years. The most work, like in terms of like day-to-day labor. I mean, I was the guy that after somebody rented from the theater, we did a show. Nobody else did it. I was the guy that went in and fucking repainted the stage. I fixed the lights. I mean, I did everything. I'm not saying that the only reason exists because there are plenty of people that were part of that organization, but I fucking worked. worked, Yeah. That was my thing. I never got paid. And then now people thought that I did, um, but I never, WNP never paid me a dime. Meaning I never paid myself a dime. And in fact, at the end of 15 years, I found out that I dropped about $85,000 of my own money (laughs) to do it. But it was the most fucking fun because it was creative. I didn't answer to anybody. I had, we were creating. It was so much fun. Second best job. This is the one that paid, um, but it was public radio. So it didn't pay well. Yeah. Was when I was the director of events for WBEZ. You know, I wasn't making a shit ton of money because it was national public radio, but uh, you know, it was, but they paid it, it's you one okay. of the, Hey, I mean, yeah, no, I wasn't like bereft. They, they yeah. paid me about as much as any other job would, you know I mean? It was like, I made, I actually made more, the most money I've ever made in like an, at like an, uh, uh, an annual thing was when I was a Chicago public school teacher. Oh, and, and I'm, yeah, that's the most money I've ever made in any kind of nineties. You got paid more from CPS. Than you did yeah. by by B-E-Z. by the time I by the time I got to like ten years, yeah, because because at that time CPS was like you got you got a, a yearly raise, and so I was doing how how much were you doing, making at CPS by the end? CPS, I was making eighty five thousand a year. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I okay. Um, they do, they don't do that anymore. Can we just like they, go off off the beaten path for just a second, then we'll come back to the main topic here. So, what did you start at CPS? Thirty-five. Okay, and that was in what year? Nineteen ninety. Okay, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna try and do some quick math. Um, Nineteen. Let's see. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty great, and part of it was because I was doing experimental stuff. I was getting all kinds of accreditation in sort of the hippie. 
Association of Illinois Middle School. I was going to a lot of conferences. I was kind of a, in that sort of space, I was kind of a big deal because we were doing innovative stuff that nobody else was doing at the time. So I was kind of in that, uh, I don't know, expert, All right. a new thing category. So this is, this is just loose math. Um, 35, you said you were making 35000 in 1990? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. $35,000 in 1990 had the same purchasing power as about 81000 almost yeah. eight, almost $82,000 today. So that yeah. ain't bad. No, 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 not, not bad at all. So, you know, and public, public radio, uh, I, I think when I left there in terms of just the base salary, again, it was one of those things where I was actually making more money than my base salary because I was being sent to conferences all over the country. You know, I was doing events, uh, with, uh, different subsidiaries, New York WNYCC and, and, you know, the, the Los Angeles. And so I was, I was getting sent out to do things, yeah. but my base salary is about 60 grand. So. I made more than that, but that was what my base salary was. Yeah. But anyway, that job again, and it's one of the things that in looking at like events in Wichita, that it, it's just such a different world is that in Chicago, there's so many people and there's so many events going on that you have to be really innovative. You had to, we had, we had to work hard. Yeah. To come up with that distinct idea, because man, if you wanted to stand out on that fucking cornucopia of fucking shit, you really had to do something interesting, or nobody's nobody was going to come. Did you ever try and doing we, uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet with uh, people of color? Because that's a big thing that you'll see around. See, that's really not that innovative. Doing it's really not that innovative. I'm sorry, it's just not that innovative. It's not it's um, stupid. You know, but, uh, no, but like in which, in Wichita, every event is exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just exactly the same. Here's some food trucks. Here's some booze. Here's some entertainment. Uh, here's a raffle. Uh, somebody's going to throw up a cornhole <laughs> thing. I mean, it's just bullshit. And, yeah. and so it's a different thing, <laughs> you know, and the argument is this is how it's always been. So it's a little bit different mindset, but my my two favorite jobs were WDP Theater because I could kind of do whatever I wanted and WBEZ because I kind of could do whatever I wanted and was really good at those. I'm really good at doing whatever I want. Yeah. And so those are my productive. Two. Yeah. And, and like actually, yeah, actually yeah. doing something that, 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 that engages people. And as much as I don't on some fundamental level, like people, yeah. I actually like them a lot more than I think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy, you know, it, it's like, if, if you're going to be so lazy as to, is to create experiences for people that are the same thing, everybody else can get, you really have sort of a cattle mentality about the people around you. And I, I, I really yeah. respect the time. I don't even respect the money they spend on stuff. I respect their time. It's like, man, because at the end of the day, when I'm laying on my deathbed, just like fucking everybody else, you're not going to go look at all the fucking rent I paid. I'm so proud of my life. Look at the fact that my credit score was so high. You're going to go, what did I spend my fucking time doing? And so I really respect if I create an event or I have a party or whatever it is, I respect the fact that they're taking their time, their life blood, their breath, their heartbeats. They're taking the time to show up. I want to make sure they're rewarded for that experience. Yeah. 
And and I did with both WDP Theater, which was sort of my practical joke upon the world, and WBEZ, which became just, I just thought that was the stuff. I just had so much fun there. I just had so much fun there. Yeah. Um, and so what were your best jobs? I've got... <sighs> I know it's hard to, it's hard to choose. It's really hard to choose. Um, well, the first one is radio when I was working in radio and I, I held different jobs while I was there. Um, and I loved so many aspects of all of it, but my favorite time in radio had to have been toward, when I got toward the end, but it was when I was like full-time on air and I didn't have to deal with the bullshit of marketing and promotions and sales weasels and all the other crap. And I could just be on air um so that was when i was working overnight shifts and weekend shifts and doing midday fill-ins and afternoon fill-ins and um morning and afternoon traffic so i was like the morning show sidekick the afternoon guy but i was up in the studio in the stratosphere with mark thomas and it was just the two of us up there every day doing traffic and we like on thursdays we would watch movies in between our breaks like I would bring my laptop in and pop a DVD in. Like this was, you know, the early 2000s. When you had laptops with DVDs. And so we had yeah. like a 10 minute break between we like, we would watch fucking like Titanic or whatever, whatever Star Wars, you know, bring in the Star Wars DVDs. Um, we would go and have breakfast at the Stratosphere employee dining room. We would get beers on, on Friday nights. We would go, we had thrill. Uh, what do we call it? Thrill, thrill day Thursday. Is that what it was? And then we like did movie Wednesdays and Thrill Day Thursday or something. So like after our shift, when the afternoon shift ended, we would either go to like do one of the roller coasters, like at New York, New York, or Circus Circus or something, or we would go bungee jumping. And a couple times we would yeah. do bungee jumping at Circus Circus. Like it was just or it's stratosphere. They didn't, it was or the yeah, you had bungee rides, yeah, stratosphere because Circus Circus doesn't have bungee jumping. Uh, th there was a place, sorry, there was a place right behind Circus Circus that did okay, it. Right. it was a, yeah, yeah I remember. Um, but like I was in radio and yeah, and even like working in marketing, like the, when I was, I could just, I guess, yeah, the whole thing. Cause I was getting to, at one point I flew to, um, Washington DC and we broadcast from the basement of the Capitol out of protest for against Yucca mountain. Um, I got to meet all these fucking famous rock and roll like 60s stars interview them like i swapped recipes with andy kim nobody knows who andy kim is but he had a hit called rock me gently like just this weird oh my god i love that song. right rock me yeah gently, rock me gently slowly. rock me slowly yeah. take it easy there you go. Da -da -da -da. yeah yeah i love that song Andy Kim, he wrote Sugar Sugar by the Archie, you know, the Archies. Ron Sugar. Archie, yeah. Da, da, Andy Kim da, co wrote da. that. Oh, honey, honey. Doo, 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 so, doo. You know, I'm I, old, so I get all this shit. You know, I mean, I wrote, you know, a lot of the stories in The Last DJ were pulled from the real experiences. Like, yeah. Yeah. When I was flirting with Mary Wilson of the Supremes, asking her out on a date, like, I got to do so much cool shit. And it was very, like, it didn't feel like a job. Like, it wasn't a desk job, yeah. right? I mean, I had a desk and I came into work, but I was, on the radio and yeah. goofy shit and drinking on the job. First day there was, you know, and getting paid to do it all. And yeah. getting, pay getting paid shit, but I also got free yeah. to Hawaii. Again, I got that's a grill, the I got a DVD the player. Best you know. jobs, the best jobs are because uh, you can't, it's so rare 
to find that job where you get where exactly what you're explaining. It's like, this is cool. This is fun. It doesn't even feel like I'm doing work. I don't get paid anything. Yeah. Well, that's because the ones that don't feel like work, they generally won't pay you much. It's sort of like this weird bell curve. Yeah. Where, where, your favorite job on the left end of the bell curve, your favorite job that doesn't feel like a job doesn't pay shit. Yeah. Then you get up to the bell curve and it's sort of like, uh, there's sort of like maybe the job that you're working, but you're going to get paid something, but they, you know, may, and then you go to the other side of the bell curve, the hardest jobs on the fucking planet, like day laborers and fucking strawberry pickers. It's the worst job ever, and you don't get paid shit. So yeah. it's like this weird bell curve on, I mean, on jobs. And there's, God, I mean, I could throw in like my job in high school working at the restaurant. Like I, you know, that was so formative and I love that. And, but yeah, radio, I mean, I still, like every day I wake up and there's a part of me that misses working in radio in the way that I like. Myth no, my I'm, grandfather I'm, who's dead. You know, I'm I mean? curious. Like, I'm curious. Why did you? I mean, I know the answer, but why did you not pursue continuing radio when you came to Chicago? I looked for radio jobs in Chicago, and there, I can say there weren't any, but like there, there weren't any. You know, like it was yeah. really, and I, I looked all over the country. There just weren't jobs for me, and I got frustrated. And, you know, I'd have to go and work like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to Wichita and make shit money, you know, to maybe one day find a job outside of Wichita where I could finally go and, you know, be back at a bigger market like Las Vegas at the very least. Yeah. Like it was well, an opportunity and, to run out. And the, and the thing is, there is also, and it's something that I think my mom is finally coming to grips with. Mm is it's it's not the job um so much as it's where you do the job sure you know and 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 you know she actually confessed to yesterday was okay i get it you know um i've i'm convinced that your dad's gonna outlive all of us He's never yeah. going to die. She's, she's in that place. She you said, know, so you know what they say, like, he said, so I say, eat your vitamins, get good night's sleep and be stubborn and you'll live. For yeah, 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 exactly. No shit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and she said, I, I get that feeling. And so I'm not going to hold you to any promise to stay any longer than, than, than you need to. She said, she said, and she told me this, she said this, she goes, when is your lease up at your apartment? Mm. And I said, end of February. And she said, so do you think you're going to be in Chicago after that? I said, yeah, that's definitely the thought. I said, I, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable once again jumping ship to another location without an actual yeah. income. You know, I can't do that. I can't do the, hey, I'm going to live in my fucking car <laughs> for no, four months. Not I can't do that. Years old. I'm 57 years old. I can't, you know, I, I mean, I could, I absolutely could do that. I'm in physical shape. I'm, you know, it's you've like, I could, that. you've done that, That's but I've done it. So I gotta, I gotta do something different. Yeah. yeah. When going to Vegas was like, I got no job. I got no money. And that wasn't that long ago, to be honest with you. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. One of the things I laughed about, I said, you know, the thing is so funny is like of all the things I've accomplished in my life. Can you imagine how much more I would have accomplished if I hadn't been hell bent on women? I think that goes for 
most all of us, buddy. I'm just like, man, I, I could have gotten so much more done if I hadn't been so hellbent on finding the love of my life. It's like, oh, what a well, fucking moron. And that's, the, so that's what the was your worship? Oh. That's the other answer to your question of like, also like, why didn't I pursue radio a little harder or yeah. when podcasts became a thing, why didn't I like dive right in and go completely batshit for it? And I think it was the pursuit of money. Because I was getting yeah, to the point, like yeah. I was dating that girl Bree, and she was so yeah. focused on money. Um, yeah, money and women. The pursuit of money and women will always do its best to derail, uh, and often succeed, derail our our hopes and dreams. Well, at least I can say I've never, I've never been derailed by my pursuit of money. Cause no, looking at my, yeah. my crazy cornucopia job, I've never really worked yeah. jobs that are like, Hey, here's, this is an access point to make billions. No, no, no. The other best job, the other tie would be, Oh, um, editing, being an editor at the school paper at UNLV, yeah. editor of the rebel yell. Cause I was there with like my best buddy Ziegler and my good friends, Aaron and Tom and, and Eric Lee. Yeah. And we were just like, yeah, we were kids in college, but like, we took this shit seriously. Like we were, oh yeah. And we went and out, we went out and find, find stories. And we, you know, challenged the, like, we did the thing. You were doing the, the work journalists, of yeah. the angels, man. Yeah. And yeah, we were drinking and fucking around and doing all this, the shit that journalists do. It was very, it was thompson-esque you know but like it was yeah well i did mean, yeah i knew that was that was and the, then, i knew that was the adjective you were gonna use and then the the third thing that like is probably like as a summer camp counselor you know oh, okay then, yeah yeah but that's like the more the buffett thing like i was out there and like to you like doing the work like i would have periods off but i would always be down at the sail dock fixing yeah. the boats cleaning the boats you were always working and, and I was, but it didn't feel yeah, like a burden like work i yeah. would say this about the newspaper though when i was a at at the at the rebel yell there was one point when i took a fifth year of college because i was working at the at the uh the newspaper i was the opinion editor section editor and then i was offered a job to build a new student radio station so i took it and between those two jobs each of them were paying me five hundred dollars tax-free yeah oh paying, boy wait a minute and they were paying for my my credits yeah and my books and I'm like, well, I'm taking a fifth year because this is opportunity. I can slow down my like cramped schedule and just like let it breathe. And I remember telling my dad and he was like, that's insane. You're not doing five years of school, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to, I'm not paying for this. And I go, that's the thing, dad. Nobody's paying for it. So I was making, you know, not including the, the books and the credits. Yeah. If you, yeah. If I was making a thousand bucks a month. Relatively speaking, that, that was, was a big deal. Most money. I've ever made it yeah. my entire life because my yeah, no, yeah. were so low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, relative exactly. All right. Well, the second the best jobs. What were your yeah, this yeah, the worst, the worst jobs. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, I've got a a series of what I would call worst jobs. They all sort of they all sort of uh bleed together. Um and a lot of it has to do with what I was doing, regardless of compensation. But I would say the the job that left me the most, the closest to feeling like suicidal, like I felt I was so desperately unhappy. I was so angry and felt so cheated and just was when I got to Vegas 
and and you'd think it was i mean but this blends in with a number of uh, like telemarketing gigs and marketing a lot of marketing gigs kind of fall into this category where it's like hey you're gonna you're gonna write this shitty copy to try sell people shit they don't need because fuck off you know because you're yeah. you have a way with words this was uh I was working for a, a a storm window company. I couldn't find a fucking events job in in Vegas. It's just a totally different market. And and granted, I think part of this was that, you know, I was the king of events in fucking Chicago. Yeah. And so I get to Vegas and I'm thinking, you know, and I got interviewed by MGM and I got interviewed by Caesars Palace. And it's like, and nobody wanted me because I didn't have any casino experience. So the only job I could find at the time was as an events representative for renewal by anderson which was a fucking it's a storm window place and what that was i think it's like events representative i'm thinking at least it's in the event space no what it was is i was a fucking storm window salesman at fucking like here's that maybe this is why I, i'm so resistant to the whole fucking wichita hey we're a radio station put up a fucking tent and give shit away because we literally were like go put up a tent and sit in this place and try to get people to fucking answer some questionnaires about storm windows so that we can sell them fucking storm windows and the worst day the day i quit and it was the day i fucking quit was they sent me to a gym the the las vegas uh lvac and uh and it was a gym and it was like set up the table set up the storm windows put on your fucking green nylon polo God. Which I maintain, I maintain to this day, any job that requires you to wear a fucking polo as your uniform is the worst fucking job ever. Anytime you have to wear a fucking uniform that isn't like, hey, here's a cop's uniform or hey, here's a sailor's nurse's uniform. But anything that requires you to buy a uniform that you, that is just sh fuck off. Right? Anyway, yeah. so I'm standing in this thing and I spent it it was only four hours it felt like an entire lifetime as i'm standing there and there are people going in what do you do when you go to the gym you want to go in work out yeah take a shower get the fuck out You've of it like an right? hour of your day to squeeze in something before you have to run that's it and i'm literally trying yeah. and it's like people are walking by me with gym bags or like i'm like do you have issues with your windows? And they're just looking at me like, fuck off. And it's I was fucking I, leg day, man. Fuck off. It was the worst. It, and and I, I, I remember, uh, I, I, afterwards, uh, I went and picked Dana up and she was like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I said, no, I said, no, <laughs> I said, I, I said, no, I said, I, I, I quit. I don't give a fuck. I'd rather starve to death. I would rather starve to death than feel such a crushing, Agnes in a machine that I have zero respect for. I felt the same way about telemarketing. I did a telemarketing gig where, where it was in Chicago, where it was like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to sell people these medical textbooks. And it was just a grind and it was so embarrassing and it just felt so low and scummy. I hated it. I quit after three weeks. Renewal by Anderson, I think I worked there for six weeks before I said, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Um, there but I I worked at a, a place in Chicago. It was called the Tobacco Room, where literally I was a tobacconist. I was I was selling and I loved that job. And it didn't pay shit. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, 
Yeah. The jobs that uh, uh, sort of the worst job I've ever had is sort of like about 17 jobs that all were exactly the same, which is bait and switch on what you're going to be doing. Now, what you're going to be doing is selling shit. Mm -hmm. I hate with a passion selling shit. It may be why Literate Ape doesn't have any kind of uh, ads on it. No, we don't. We don't. I I hate selling people shit. I hate it. I hate the act of trying to convince people to do something that they may or may not want to do. I'd rather create something. And if they come to it, bonus. Yeah. It's just who I am. It's sort it's, it's baked in. So yeah, yeah, the worst jobs, worst jobs I've ever had, ever had in my life have nothing to do with service, have everything to do with selling something, somebody something. What was your worst job? My worst job was but by the end it was also radio because I was so heartbroken. Like I was yeah. I loved it so, 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 so much. And when the opportunity shit out, it was just heartbreaking. And then it like, just broke you in half. Yeah. Like, with like the politics of everything, you know, but the, the politics are everywhere. Like that's not unique to the radio thing. It was just I got passed over for um passed over. Um the, yeah, radio just kind of broke my heart. Like that's just like yeah. Channel Las Vegas broke my heart. Um but whatever, you know, you, you the, the things you care about most can hurt you the most too. Um, it's the truth. I mean, look, like I love my job right now. I, I I love this job, but it's also very stressful right now and and difficult. And it's the worst job I've ever had right now. I don't think it'll well, land I'm, in the worst jobs ever. Well, I, it's well I'm very sorry that I got you yeah. that job. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you got me that job? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were fairly instrumental in getting me. That's true. No, I love this job. It's just when it's hard and you care about something and you love something so much. Yeah, you, yeah. But, but no, the worst job, hands down, like was working at peak six. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking yes. No, I did. Oh, owners were fucking. You're always on edge. You couldn't trust. Yeah, body. Yeah, they laid. They fucking laid everybody off and like, let's stick around until Christmas for the next month and a half. Keep working, you know, but then we're going to send you packing, you know, and go fuck yourself. Tough shit. Cause we drove the business into the ground. So you're fucked now and we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. And oh God, that place sucked. And, and yeah, just, yeah. of the news. My first thing to do this week, it's... No, no, no. This is Rorschach. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry. I forgot we didn't do Jesus. So my first thing to do this week is to receive your Rorschach pitches. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're pitching to me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I pitched last week. You even typed Himmel pitches Rorschach. Well, I don't have them. <laughs> All right, so we don't have. All right, so we have no Rorschach today. All right, so. <laughs> all right, that's fine. You know what? That's fine because I mean, we went through all this. Like you were going to pitch Rorschach, I was going to pick the song of the week. 
Oh my god, that's right. That's been consistent. <laughs> no, I've got you pitch for a yeah. second. I picked this. Oh, that's no. It. Oh my god. Yep, I fucked up. All right, uh, the week, the week. All right, so for Rorschach of the week, uh, I just want to point out: we're not going to have a Rorschach this week. This is—we didn't even talk about this yet, really. This is our fourth season. This is our three hundredth episode. Yeah, we've been doing this for a good. Yeah, this is a good long time. And uh, you know, we talked about uh, having a song of the week element, and realized no, that's a copyright infringement we can't what's the point of having a song we can't play <laughs> um we we talked about uh maybe uh doing like a a, a book quote like the, our favorite quote from a book and then we realized that would require effort <laughs> of some sort and this, might, you know, maybe of, this is the best job i've ever had because you know it's radio-esque I get to work with it doesn't my pay. friend. I it doesn't yeah. pay shit. I don't have to do yeah. anything except show up. Yeah, run Just my mouth. Show up, up. And, <laughs> and I have to do the homework this week of pitching yeah. Rorschach. I don't have to go and finish it because I completely fucking spaced on it. And All right, well, you know, it's a good way to start a season four. I think. I think this is a great way to start season four in every way possible. Let's let's recommend a few things to people, please. There are six things you should do this week. My first recommendation, my first thing to do this week is a listen. Go to your local record store. Go to your local Spotify and pull up the album Songs You Know by Heart by Jimmy Buffett. That's all you need. All right. Just I I actually will listen to some Jimmy Buffett this weekend, just in really not for my own edification, just as sort of like uh it's sort of like my my way of 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 of, of standing out on the street light or on the street corner and just pouring out some of my fucking gin and juice and yeah. saying, here's for David Himmel. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Here's what's also great about Buffett and the way he lived his life. This guy waited until the end of summer. Yeah. Before he, he had a great to, to sail to check out, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's over. It's time to go. What? A All guy. right. My, my first thing is read and I'm sorry to bring things down with the uplifting Jimmy Buffett stuff. However, yeah. um, everybody's trying to figure out it's sort of like this is the thing about trump instead of just realizing the obvious everybody's trying to come up with any possible fucking way to prevent him from becoming president again and this is in the atlantic i know you haven't heard of this it's this new thing it's really good. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a newspaper, like a daily newspaper. Yeah, it, it's like well, it's like a magazine, oh, okay. and it has it has a really good online presence. Anyway, it's called the Fourteenth Amendment Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I will read a quote: In an ideal world, Trump's fellow Republicans would handle this matter by repudiating his crimes and rejecting his candidacy for their presidential nomination. Failing that, and it certainly seems as if that hope is failing. Opponents of Trump must dig deep and just beat him at the polls one more time. There is no cheat code to win this game. And it's, it's a very good, it's a very good article. I mean, it's not the most like, oh, but it's by David Frum. 
mm-hmm. who's a great writer. I like from and yeah, and and it, it's just basically him saying, okay, for those of you trying to say the Fourteenth Amendment, there's some sort of like arcane way of saying nope he can't be president no it doesn't say that it's it's a stretch it's just like Mueller saying Mm -hmm. uh, you know Mueller whatever saying oh he was in no he wasn't in the Russians he wasn't in the camp of the Russians and the Russians hacking the election was not a hack it was mostly just sort of like some bad influencing yeah um you know, I mean, paid for advertising I mean everybody just calm down it doesn't matter if he's convicted there is no rule that says a convicted felon can't be president. There is no rule anywhere in the Constitution that says he can't be. So the only way we're going to beat him is beat him. Yeah. That's it. That's my first my first recommendation. I think what they're afraid of is that, one, he might win again. Oh, they're terrified of it. And I, I get that. Two, if he doesn't win, if he does lose out and out, you know legitimately again. through voting yeah again that the same shit will happen again of election is rigged let's ransack the country again you know of course they of course they're trying to just get him off the playing field they're trying to kick him off the team see my mom my mom and i were talking about this and she said do you think maybe we'll have maybe that's when we'll have the civil war i said mom americans are too fucking lazy to have another we civil are. war we're yeah. just too fucking lazy we can't even effectively boycott hollywood right so fuck off on that topic uh my next thing is a watch it is (laughs) (laughs) it is on uh it's on youtube uh this was done by echo chamberlain or at least this who's i don't know if they did it but this is who's hosting it on their their channel um the death of disney narrated narrated by ai david attenborough (laughs) oh my god that sounds funny it's it's like uh, like eight minutes long, six minutes long, something like that. You don't have to listen to the whole thing to get the joke. But it's all about like the mouse, you know, so it's like a nature thing. But the mouse being Disney, of course. And it's just David Attenborough saying some really horrific shit and like cursing. And it's. <laughs> I See, that's the best use of AI. The best use of AI. I agree. And whether you agree with, you know, what Disney's doing to, you know, Marvel and start blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own movies, like whatever. That's beside the point. But it's also, it's yeah, it's just, it's very entertaining. It's a lot of fun, and yeah, great use of AI. All right, my second thing is also a read. It's in the Atlantic again, Hmm. Um, and it's one of my favorite. I think it's one of my favorite genres of uh, of writing, which is the fuck you. I'm going to bait and switch you, whether you like it or not. It is called Take a Wife, Please. Why are married people happier than the rest of us by Olga Kazan? But, and I love this, it's like, all right, look at the research. Married people are happier. And then she spends the entire paper saying, yeah, that's some bullshit. Quote, most of the research indicates that the happiest couples marry, not that marriage causes happiness. Um, according to this theory, Americans stopped being as happy and they stopped getting married and either the two trends don't have much to do with each other or glum people aren't in the mood for wedding planning. 
When people aren't happy in marriage, they tend to divorce, which plunks them into the unhappy single pool and makes the married pool look happier by comparison. It is, it is a, it, it, you know, I, I, the only reason I read it was, it was like, well, I'm, you know, here I am. I'm three, three times you're out and I have zero desire. Yeah. I, you know, I've been calling bullshit on this argument for years. Yeah. For it's a good, oh, it's over, yeah. over a decade. This, I've, I wrote about on my old website, like that there's, yeah. The science points to one way, but the science is flawed because of things like that. And it just, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, yep. that's a good read. I read that story. Um, all right. And finally, my thing this week is related to, um, today's theme of Labor Day and working. This is in Vox. Uh, going shopping is dead. How stores <laughs> suck the fun yeah. out of an American pastime. So it's, you know, about shopping and us going places and we go there and it's like, you know, product deserts. There's nothing in the fucking stores. There's nobody working. Everything looks like shit. But there's like the jobs are going away for these stores. And it's this vicious cycle of the stores don't have shit. So people buy online. People buy more online. So why would the stores buy shit, stock things, hire workers to come and clean it up if nobody's coming in? It's yeah, it's the what is the the snake eating its tail thing? The Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah. So yeah, the economic Ouroboros. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting, fun, sad story. I miss malls. See, that's man. why you know. Like, that, well, see, that's why I like the local. I I, I just uh, the more the more I dig down into life and closer to my own demise, the more I like the local. And it's a, the, the quick story is like in 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 Wichita when I first got here and I I wrote a piece about it I told you about it it's like there's the tale of two malls mm -hmm. Town East Square where I used to hang out when I was in high school is booming with all kinds of shops Town West Square is a fucking desert I mean there might be I mean this was used to be a booming fucking shopping mall and yeah. now it's used for old old people to walk and get their steps and you know I took when Joe came here for Christmas I took Joe to both. And because he was looking for, you know, he was spending Christmas with us. So we wanted to get everybody in my family like a Christmas present. Yeah. And we ended up going to Town West Square and there was this jelly jam, this novelty jelly jams, right? Very local. I mean, this was not a chain of any kind. It's like this old fucking gay guy with this huge giant beard and bald head whose husband had owned it and died. And now he's basically just taking care. And, and I mean, it's like, it's like, Empty store place, empty, 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 empty. Right before you walk out, here's the storefront. And it's just like a little tiny. <laughs> and that's where Joe wanted to buy. He said, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I feel bad. And they've got all this jelly and jams. Let's get that. And so he bought all of his stuff <laughs> for my family and that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, for my last thing. And this is, it's rare that I find uh, a website that I like as much as ours in terms of writing. This is, Pen, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to say pangyrus.com. Sure. P-A-N-G. I mean, you know, it's pan, pangyrus.com. But I read this. Uh, it's a piece. It's an essay called Why We Fight by Linda Button. And it is basically about women um, unhappy in their, in their, you know, maybe not unhappy, but unfulfilled in their workplace or with their marriages, learning like MMA fighting. And it's, and and it it again it's one of the best pieces of writing i've read in a long time i just loved it i'm going to give you a quote pain is easier to bear than anguish i've learned 
I poke at the blossoms of purple that splatter my thighs and savor the pain. I'm not alone. We all show off our swollen fingers and compare scars. We reshape our muscles. We rewire our thinking. We're turning from daughters and nurses and chaplains and wives into warriors. Mm. It's a fucking great. It's so well written. Wow. That you can't help. But I, I just, it's like, it's rare that I read something that I go, fuck, I wish I was that good. Yeah. But this is one of those pieces. I highly recommend it. Why We Fight by Linda Button on pangyrus.com. Pan? Really, really. Yeah. I, 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 P-A-N-G-Y-R-U-S.com. And I even joined their mailing list, even though I can't fucking pronounce it because I'm a goddamn simp. Yeah. But. But it, but it, it, I'd like, I've gone through, it's sort of like, I like to go to long reads. Long reads is a great place to read. That's where I actually found this article and took me to this pin. And I was like, I really like good writing. And this fucking piece, I've read it three times. It's so well fucking written. They've got ads and everything. Well, fuck them. Make a one time donation here. Look at them asking. They have a, yeah, they're asking for money. We could do a lot twice. They got a tip jar. Love what you're reading. Help us pay our authors. Damn. Fuck. See, but yeah, I, I would do it. I would do a tip jar for us. We're a nonprofit. You can donate to us. I would do a tip jar. I just don't want to put shit on there. It's like, hey, give us money. Hey, give us money. Hey, give us money. Because it just yeah, feels so fucking is. lame. But it feels so fucking lame. It's. I mean, again, maybe I'm. You know, I don't think I have anything in common with Zuckerberg. But the thing is, Facebook was cool when it didn't cost anything, and and there were no ads. Yeah. It was cool. And now it's a fucking wasteland of bullshit of, hey, I got a new titanium band for your Apple Watch you just bought. It's the greatest titanium band I have. Fuck you. Fuck you. Sell it to somebody. I hate your guts. T-shirt. I don't want you to sell to me. Don't make us look good. Here's a T-shirt. Here's the push. Dad bod look rad. Here's here's your push-up bra of T-shirts. Dudes, go fuck yourself. I'm so tired of this shit. Stop trying to sell me shit I don't want. Just make something. Let me know that it exists. Get out of my fucking face. And if I want it. I'll get it. And if I don't want it, leave me the fuck alone. Oh, I hate ads. I have you hate seen sales. have you seen those those pants that they'll be the last pants you ever buy? Because they they're what? They're water resistant. You can spill on them. You can take them golfing oh. and wear them to work. And holy shit, because I golf. And and you're not your girlfriend or wife thinks they make your butt look great. And I don't have a girlfriend or a wife, so what do I care? I'm going to run around naked. I just want to get a burlap sack and wrap it around my fucking nuts and walk around the place. Who gives a shit? I mean, I'm not, I'm going to sound like a fucking, you know, Mennonite here or, or, you know, an Amish person, but like, what's wrong with Levi's? Why do we have to get these fucking, (laughs) what's wrong with a Hanes t-shirt for God's sake? Fuck off. Oh, Hamish, what's wrong with the, see, that's the first. No, 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 no. No No, zippers, buttons only, buttons only. Water resistant pants that, that don't wrinkle. Ah, Nah, 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 now, now you're the, the devil. You are the devil. Fuck off. Cod piece. Just give me a cod piece. And that is the show. Happy Labor Day. Have a great day at work tomorrow. 
You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>